The second pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Donovan McNabb, quarterback, Syracuse University. Don't boo. JT Real Muto is back at Citizens Bank Park next year for the next five years, hopefully. The first Boo Birds podcast emergency pod. We had a pre-emergency pod before the Eagles fired Doug Peterson, but here we are with our first emergency pod. We promised it back in October. Here we are. John, it almost seemed inevitable, to be honest with you, the last couple of weeks that this would happen, but here we are. How do you feel? I feel great. Your neighbors after that horn? Not so much. I, I don't care. If they're not excited, that's their fault. The Phillies have hashtag signed JT five years, $115.5 million. John, I was off by a half a million dollars. I thought that with all of the talk of him trying to sign a record-breaking contract, the $23 million AAV of Joe Mauer's deal that he signed, $115 million over five years is $23 million. I thought they'd bump it up to one sixteen just to put them over the top. Instead, they were even more petty. And now the AAV of Real Muto's contract is $23.1 million. Right out of the gate, what do you think of the contract? Good length? Good number? It's certainly a team-friendly number compared to what he would have had had he been a free agent just one offseason ago. I think it's also important for the player as well, where, you know, obviously he didn't get the the money he was looking for, but it was very important for him, dating back to his last arbitration hearing with the team, that he set the standard for catchers. While obviously he could, you know, enrich himself with said standard, he meant it from a union standpoint. He wanted to push the salaries of catchers forward. This contract does that. Obviously, not as much as he wanted, but I'll take 0.1 million. You know, that's (laughs) not not a bad way to at least put the standard back up to Joe Maurer territory. And, you know, Joe Maurer was a special case, too. We have to remember that because he was homegrown, number one overall pick of the draft from the Minnesota Twins. He was their franchise player. So, yes, there are different standards, and quite frankly, Joe Maurer was a better offensive player than JT Realmuto is, so you have to take that into consideration, although Realmuto being a better all-around catcher, no one would... The best catcher in baseball, John. Right. I I don't think anybody would question either of those. You, You know, Maurer's just, you know, for a while, he was almost a Hall of Fame caliber, or at least Hall of Fame Trek offensive catcher I have to look at his numbers again but you know you can't argue with a contract that puts you right in there especially given the economic uncertainty of the game I don't know if anyone's dealing out record-breaking contracts this year you know elite players are still getting elite money it's just not as elite as previous years yeah I think that's a big thing to consider that with the the economics of the game as it is right now he still got a deal that eclipsed a record from a, a a more fruitful economic period in the game. I, I I do think the pandemic last year and and the uncertainty of this year probably cost Real Muto 
maybe five, six, seven million dollars a year may have cost him a year or two as well on the back end of the deal. Um, when they first got to the end of the season and it was clear there was not going to be an extension and they need to hit free agency, I said they should offer him at the start five years, $120 million. And if he takes it, fantastic. I would have gone up higher because, I mean, I'm a fan. I don't have to worry about the Phillies' bottom line like they do. But that was the number that I I said was, you know, where I would start the negotiations. Apparently, their first offer was a little lower. They came up to 115.5. Here's the thing. Everyone, <laughs> everyone literally tried to ride Matt Klintak out of town on a rail. And it, to some extent, it happened. And part of it was the lack of extension for Real Muto and not paying him what he wanted and what everyone thought he was worth. It turns out the Phillies front office was right. The market for Real Muto was was really limited in large part because of what he wanted. Uh, you saw James McCann sign four years, $40 million. Guys signing shorter deals, smaller deals here and there. Teams just really weren't prioritizing the catcher position. And like we said back in October, we did our postmortem. We said, is JT coming back? And I think we both agreed that he would. And my reply was, if he wants to be here, he'll be here. The Phillies will get it done. And ultimately, it seemed like a gamble at the time to to not really drive the market with him. But they didn't bid against themselves. They may have paid a little bit of a premium for you know, not having done this sooner. But in the end, they probably saved themselves. Is it ridiculous to think $50 million over the course of the next five, six, seven years? Ultimately, a shrewd bit of business by the Phillies front office. I don't think it's that much of a stretch to to say, you know, $50 million might have been in play. He was limited overall by the number of years. He's of an age where it's already a little tricky to give out super long-term contracts. Not saying that that doesn't happen, but inevitably the longer the over 30 contracts go, the likelihood that you're, you know, you're not just regretting it on the back end, but also the middle and possibly the front is a little, little low. Now for JT, all you have to worry about primarily is that he could bring about sort of a medium level of his offensive talent, but, you know, his normal defensive excellence and his ability to handle a pitching staff. If you get that for, especially in combined with health, if you can get that for four years, you know, this contract is a bargain for them. You know, there's a good chance that one of his years being a catcher that he'll be a little bit banged up, might not be able to finish it. That's fine. He's sliding into Jake Arrieta's spot in the Phillies payroll. Right, right. I don't think anyone would really argue that <laughs> he has a chance to get better return on their investment than what they got from Arietta. I hope. Not <laughs> well, I mean, the, the PR capital in town uh, that they've built up by re-signing him already far surpasses the on-field value that Arietta provided for the most part. But you, you alluded to the the advanced age for this kind of contract. And it sounds funny to say that because he's not yet 30, but he will be this season. And to me, I think if they get 25 home runs and 100 RBIs out of him at the plate and 
best defensive catcher, best at handling a pitching staff, constantly getting better at pitch framing behind the plate. You're right. It's an absolute steal. But one of the things that that we talked about before, and I, I talked about it more in regard to Reese Hoskins, but it might apply to JT Realmuto. Depending on what their first base situation is, depending on the designated hitter rule, JT may not be a catcher in five years, or at least as every day a catcher as he is. He's a guy who who prides himself on playing 140 games a year and wants to play every day, and that's great. But when he's 32, 33, 34, will he be able to do that? You can have his bat in the lineup at first base, as they did a few times. Uh, if there's a DH, they can use him there. So to me, that should be baked into how you perceive this deal. But we got a question from a listener. Timmy and Wilmington had a couple of questions for us. One of them I wanted to ask you right here because this is kind of what we're talking about. He said, assuming that both are still on the Phillies in 2025, who's going to lead the Phillies offensively in various different categories between JT Realmuto and Bryce Harper? So the question that I had for you that kind of folds into that is, how long do we think he's going to be the best catcher in baseball? Hashtag BCIB, as the Phillies like to call him. Do you think that he's the one fronting the team or is that Bryce Harper? I think when it comes to batting average, I, I think that's going to be what Real Muto is doing. I don't think anybody is going to get on base like Bryce Harper does. He's going to continue to walk. And when it comes down to slugging, I, I still think that's that's a Harper category because, you know, four or five years from now, he's still a couple years younger than Real Muto and it is such a grind being a catcher. So I think that JT will probably keep the average up above where Harper's is, but ultimately the pop is going to have to come from number three. You'll love this. I can't argue with a thing that you said. <laughs> no, that's what I like to hear, but it's maybe not as, as entertaining or engaging. Uh, do you see, do you see Alec Bohm maybe getting involved there? I can definitely see him out slugging the both of them. Once that power starts to come around. 100%. And what I, I, I think the question might be geared more towards, you know, which long-term contract is, you know, going to, to be at least a little bit more fruitful. I think Bryce is the better offensive player, especially, you know, he's had his own health history. Right. Uh, usually a lot of hustle injuries that, you know, <laughs> whether it's sliding on a bag or, you know, trying to make a catch, you know, an outfielder versus a catcher. An outfielder should outproduce a catcher. Um, you know, they might have similar offensive talent, certainly all-star offensive talent, but catchers usually wear down. Like, if you if you look at catchers, a lot of times their August and September batting averages just plummet compared to what it was in the spring. Um, they, don't, they don't have the luxury of being slow starters because they're usually so worn down by the dog days and... When you have a position gap like this between starter and backup, you're just gonna crap on Andrew Knapp out of nowhere. <laughs> it's it's immense. It's you could you know sit Harper for a day and get a corner outfielder with replacement level offensive value. Andrew Knapp has I believe his WAR was zero point seven, <laughs> so that that's that's you know also replacement level. But when you take into account defense, that's where the true value comes in. This isn't a contract where you look at, you know, if he hits 260 next year, 
um, or like 254, three years from now, someone's going to go, oh, see, he's not worth 20 plus million dollars. That's nonsense. Catchers are valued by their defense and how they can handle a pitching staff. That's what really matters. You know, Darren Dalton, you know, a beloved catcher that we love to go to often when we talk about leadership. Also wore number 10. You know, he had some great years where he, I believe he led the team in RBIs. He might have even led the NL one year in RBIs. And, you know, that's rare for a catcher. Catchers are valued for what they do behind the plate, not when they're at the plate as a hitter. So I'm not worried about this contract playing out. I, I think from a leadership standpoint, too, players don't usually actively lobby for their teammates on social media <laughs> to get re-signed. Right. Maybe they were looking at Andrew Knapp and said, eh, you know, <laughs> not, not so much. But, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about it. Uh, but overall, I could see long-term where Alec Baum do- definitely does, um, you know, surpass both of them in terms of production. Although that's a bit of a project- projection because we just saw him for less than a 60-game season. Right, right. Obviously, without Real Muto, catcher was the biggest hole in the lineup for the Phillies. Shortstop becomes that position right now. Does this signing affect your view of of how they handle the shortstop position at all? Obviously, Didi Gregorius is still out there. Only spent one abbreviated year here, and everyone loved him. He was probably their most consistent performer in the lineup. But Didi's probably going to want a couple of years on his deal, and I think the Phillies would be well served to you know, maybe kind of only sign a guy for a year or two to pave the way for Bryson Stott if they believe he can be a major ligger. The problem is guys are are coming off the market. You know, Simeon's gone. Simmons is gone. Freddie Galvis is gone. Francisco Lindor was traded. So Didi's basically the biggest name left. I think he made something like $14, $15 million last year. Don't know what he'd want this year. Do you think that Signing Real Muto precludes them from bringing Gregorius back? Does it make it more important because you really want to keep that offense together? What, what, what's your take on how this affects the rest of the construction of the team? Because obviously they still need more pitching. There's really no need to debate that. But I'm thinking more the everyday eight players that are out there. That's a question only they can answer, really. It's, it's all about their internal budget. We don't know what their, their operating numbers are. And prior to this contract and Trevor Bauer, they were already slotted as the team who spent the second most amount of money, which considering, you know, they spent so much of the offseason talking about how much money they didn't have. I think it's also indicative of their overall roster situation, which for shortstop is a tricky conundrum right now. They might not sign Gregorius. However, the only competition for Gregorius is also, I believe, the Cincinnati Reds right now. And they've done nothing but cut costs. Right. Like, they've slashed so much. And even if they decided they were going to make a big splash, Didi's not really the guy that that would be for. You know, it's it's Francisco Lindor and that's it when it comes to, to shortstops, I think, in that tier. Now, everybody has their price. So the price could go down low enough, but I think the Phillies might look for an internal option. That could be Scott Kingery, who has played shortstop. Honestly, I don't really think he's that good of a shortstop. I think he's a serviceable shortstop. 
I think this could be a prove it year for him because frankly, he hasn't really lived up to his contract, which is now looking premature. So, you know, they have that situation they might want to deal with. Maybe they could flex him between second and short. Uh, they also have CJ Chatham and Kyle Holder in their system now. Um, Holder being a Rule 5 pick from the Yankees, who was supposed to be uh, a defensive plus, and Chatham, who was supposed to be more of an offensive plus. So maybe they could kind of work in a platoon off the off the. Wait, bench. So you don't think they would move Gene Segura back to shortstop? Like you think they're going to keep him at second base for sure? I think so. Given his decreased range as he's getting older, I think that's the best idea. Well, we'll see what happens there. I imagine it'll happen relatively soon because, you know, the big dominoes have fallen off the board and they're usually the ones that set the market. Right now we're just waiting on Trevor Bauer, but the pitching market is always going to be different than the hitting market. And we're supposed to only be a few weeks away from the start of spring training. Right. And as a side note, if they did have that $15 million for Didi, I think I'd rather see that money spent on one or two relievers and definitely a starter, because that's probably the best way for them to get out of fourth place, (laughs) their fourth to fifth place uh, projected slot in the NL East. All right. Timmy did have one more question, and and it's, it's, it's an interesting one. You know, they could have signed Real Muto to an extension at any point in the last you know, 23 months. They did it now. So his question was, how much of the decision to sign Real Muto was influenced by the following factors? You have the lobbying of the fans and, and Bryce Harper, the idea that, you know, they, they gave up Sixto Sanchez, the whole sunk cost thing that I talked about, just the general free agency market and their attempt to build a World Series contender. I'll start by saying that I don't know how much a catcher makes you a World Series contender over getting a couple more good pitchers, but JT is probably the only guy on the market that can considerably move you toward that goal. I think it it probably depends on the rest of your roster, but for the Phillies, if they wanted to contend, they kind of had to do this. I don't really think they had a choice unless somebody came in and completely smoked them. I don't think they really had a choice as to, you know, outbidding the the market unless, like I said, unless somebody were to do something crazy like 175 to 200 million. But who's really doing that for a catcher? Right. So I, you know, I think it was definitely, you know, a PR plus. I don't know how much that affected them. In the long run, this is an organization that needs to make money, and in order to make money, you have to spend money. And this is a way to get fans into seats, to sell jerseys, and also to keep them in contention. This is a team that hasn't had a winning season in a decade. And if they're looking to end that now and to justify the Harper contract, because really this is what this is all about. Right. The rebuild was accelerated by the Harper contract. It wasn't going on schedule but that sort of reset the timeline where it's like we, you know we have to start making good on this investment it's now. like kind of releasing your video game before you've done all your quality assurance on it you're like you know what it's not quite finished we'll patch it later we gotta go between signing harper and trading for real muto exactly so 
they've done those two things. They've got their core. Now they need to just go out and supplement their core. Baseball is a sport that is all about roster depth. It's not unlike football in that regard. And this gives them tremendous lineup depth that they didn't have if they had to go in-house for a replacement. So, (laughs) you know, I don't know if this necessarily alone is enough to put them over the top. But if he wasn't back, it definitely would have sunk them. Yeah, I I think this is one of those situations where the right baseball decision was the same thing that the fans and the the players on the team wanted to do. That's not always the case, but... In this case, they needed a catcher. They needed another potent bat in the lineup. Assuming, again, that you take his production out of it because he was a free agent. The sunk cost thing is definitely something that is in my mind, and we've talked about it before. But the reason that you bring Dave Dombrowski in is to build a contender and a champion, and that's what he does. And he didn't make the decision to trade Sixo Sanchez. So he has no real connection to that. And you don't bring a guy like that in and tell him, well, yeah, you have to do this and you have to do that. You're going to let him run your baseball operations department. So if he signed JT Real Muto, it's because he thought it was the right decision, regardless of what they spent to get him in the first place. So had it been the former regime overpaying for him, then, yeah, I think that would be part of it because I think it's part of why the fans want them to sign JT so much. But the fact that they have a new president of operations makes me think that that part of it wasn't as much of a factor. Yes, he's beloved by the fans and by his teammates, but he's also legitimately the best catcher in the game. He was also the best hitter available on the market at a spot of need. Maybe you paid a little surcharge because you didn't sign him earlier, but had you signed him last year, You'd be paying him probably more money for for more years. So in the end, JT may not be thrilled that that he got a lower deal than he might have wanted. But the reality is he got a pretty good deal for the reality that we're in right now. The Phillies got what we think, assuming they're able to get back to their revenue of having fans in the building and a full season of TV contract revenue is an absolute steal. The fans get one of their favorite players from the last two years back on the team. Bryce Harper gets his favorite player, his QB one on the team. Everybody wins in this regard. And now it's just incumbent upon the Phillies to, you know, actually win. And, and I think that is really what drove this more than anything. It's where the player wanted to be. He's a guy that the team needed in a position where they had a need. And, It just made too much sense, and that's why it's almost February before it happened. I think that's enough on JT Real Muto. Tune in later for our Ivan Nova emergency pod, which I think would be about three seconds. John, do you like the signing? Could be worse. It could be worse. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Social media, at Boobirds Podcasts on Facebook and Twitter. Of course, our website, boobirdspodcast.com. John, our first emergency pod, we promised one back in the fall. Thank goodness it was a positive one instead of one lamenting the loss of our star player, JT Real Muto, back in the right color pinstripes in 2021. 
Indeed. And thanks to Timmy from Wilmington for writing in. Those were some tier one questions. Yeah, that was uh, that was quite the thoughtful submission, Tim. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you helping out. John, I'll talk to you next week. Try to enjoy the the rare feeling of happiness that we don't really get that often anymore being Phillies fans. Will do. All right. See you next week. (laughs) 